0: Welcome to the 137th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, our topics are a brief overview of Patrick's weekend predictions, and a look at the NBA play-in bracket, and an end-of-the-regular-season recap of the NBA. So let's jump right in with a look back at Patrick's weekend predictions, which are posted every Thursday on our website, 4thand24.com, starting in the NBA, where Patrick went 2-2 with his weekend predictions, and in Major League Baseball, Patrick kicked off with a bang, going 4-0 in his Major League Baseball series predictions, making Patrick 6-2 overall in this weekend's predictions, bringing him to a 389-270 and overall record, which is a 59.0% winning percentage. Patrick, your thoughts?
1: Well, I obviously thought I did pretty well this week. The NBA was very hard to predict because uh, uh, I thought that the Celtics might be not caring too much about their game against the Grizzlies. And that the Grizzlies would be playing, you know, a few players. Probably not Ja because he's been injured, but you know, some players. Um, and instead, they it ended up being the opposite, where the Celtics were trying to play their way up, and the Grizzlies really did not play pretty much any. I mean, they didn't. I don't think they played a single member of their starting five if I was looking at the roster correctly, and if I if I if I'm looking at their starting five normally. So that was a miss there. Uh, and then in the Bulls' Timberwolves, honestly, the Bulls sat out a lot of guys because of the fact that they had, they were already locked in their playoff spot, and somehow Minnesota still lost them. I don't know if their guys played limited minutes, but I know I did see some highlights with some of their starters in. I know Anthony Edwards played at least a few minutes, so I don't really know what happened there. I know they were favored by seven before the game started. Uh, the Celtics were favored by 10, so, you know, I normally don't pick teams who are 10-point underdogs, and... Uh, <laughs> That Celtics-Carolina game I happened to because I didn't really know what was going to happen with the rosters I was kind of not wanting to pick it but I was like I got to throw another game in there it's a good game so why not uh, but in the end the Celtics won that game uh, and the Timberwolves were not able to beat the Bulls and I think Patrick Williams was the one who really took over the game for the Bulls setting a career high in points with I think thirty four or thirty five points this weekend uh, and then that was, those were the Sunday games on the third on the Friday games I predicted. Uh, both of those I got right because of the fact that, well, I actually knew he was going to be playing in those games. So that helped a lot. Uh, and I, I, for, I honestly forget exactly what I picked, but I was also thinking of picking the Bucks and the Cavaliers. And then I was like, I don't know if the Bucks are going to try or if they're not. Even though they could have locked up the two seed with a win, the Bucks actually chose to not win on purpose so that they could forfeit the home court for the second round but know that they would still have it in the second round if they were playing, or sorry, in in the conference finals, they would still have it if they were playing a four seed, but also having the ability to completely avoid the Nets no matter where they came in from the play-in bracket. So honestly, I think it might be smart because I think I think the Bucs will handle the Bulls much easier than they would be able to handle the Nets, honestly, if, especially if we looked at last year and we look at the fact that the Bulls, I think, still don't have a win against any of the top three teams in the East. Uh, so... That that has been this year at least. That has been such a struggle for them. They have not been able to beat the top teams, and uh, well, if that's going to continue, the Bucks are going to sweep them. I don't think that's going to happen, but uh, it's looking good for the Bucks. I think they probably made the right move. Although normally I wouldn't say I'm a fan of moving from the two to the three seed because that home court means nothing. But I think the Bucks feel with their experience, they're okay with going on the road. They did it last year. They had pretty good success on the road last year in the postseason on their way to the finals. So I think they believe in themselves, and they believe in the experience they have, and they think that they can bank on that to carry them through. Uh, so that's what happened in the NBA. In the MLB, I had an interesting situation. Normally I have a situation where uh, I'd say pretty much most of the time half the series I pick are locked up before the Sunday games, and either I'm already 1-1, I'm already 2-0, maybe. Sometimes I'm already 0-2 if it's a really bad week, uh, which means that because I'm picking these best of three series and the the, the, the win, quote-unquote, is if I pick the correct winner of the series, uh, which I, I'm just re-explaining because that's how it worked last year and that's what I'm sticking with this year because it seemed to work better uh, than just individual games because it's kind of weird. Um, so that's how I'm picking it and sometimes those games, if you win on Friday and Saturday, it's over on Sunday. So uh, I had two like that this week again. Luckily, I went 2-0 and in those and then finally, for once... The teams who didn't need to win Sunday whatsoever did not win. And the teams who did need to win on Sunday actually won their games. Typically what happens is I'm 2-0 and I'm thinking, great. One of these two teams who's playing today is going to take the the winner-take-all game of the series, of the regular of this little three-game weekend series, and I think I can get maybe a 3-1 record that week and then both teams end up losing. And the teams who didn't need to win end up sweeping, and it's meaningless. But this week... The Rangers, are uh, sorry, the Blue Jays had already swept the Rangers, and the Yankees had already swept the Red Sox. Both of them lost Sunday games, but I don't really care because not a fan of either team, uh, and both of them had already won their series. Meanwhile, the Giants were actually able to take care of the Marlins in the third game of their series, which was actually very, very important to my predictions because that series was tied up one to one going into the weekend, and then also the Tigers took the first game of the series off the White Sox, but then the White Sox won on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, To take that series, so that was also very important for me. I got both of those two winner take all series games, so to say, and in the end, I end up 4 0 this week, so I'll take that. And uh, the other game I forgot, by the way, on on Friday were the Hawks and the Heat, and the Cavs and the Nets. And also, I was really worried because the Heat had locked up the one seed by virtue of other games on Thursday night, so I thought they weren't going to play anybody against the Hawks, and I thought I was in real danger, but for some reason, they played all their starters, and they played a good game, and they ended up winning. I, I don't know precisely why but look I trust whatever Miami does so I'm okay with that uh, and then they got that win for me and now by the way the Cavaliers and the Nets as we know are in the play-in bracket and uh the Cavs will be playing the Nets on the road it did not go well for them on Friday you wonder what's going to happen tomorrow
0: All right well that wraps up our look back at your predictions uh your predictions for next week when we post on our website on Thursday so let's move on over to that NBA play-in bracket um, as we kick off our coverage of the N- NBA uh, this week. Um, as we mentioned, the regular season wrapped up yesterday, so we're turning our attention to the postseason, and we're first going to talk about the play-in bracket, starting with the East, then moving on to the West. So in the East, we have 7-seeded Brooklyn Brooklyn against 8-seeded Cleveland and the 9-seed Atlanta Hawks against the 10th seeded Charlotte Hornets. Patrick, your thought on the play-in tournament, which for those of you who don't remember because it was new last year, Actually, new in the bubble, uh, the winner of the seven-eight game is gets the seven seed. The loser of that game plays the winner of the nine-ten game, and the winner of that resulting game is the eight seed. So, Patrick, let's uh, take a look at what you think is going to happen first in that Brooklyn-Cleveland matchup.
1: Well, I think uh, I said that Friday's matchup might be a little bit of foreshadowing for what would happen uh, in this game, and honestly. If you look back on it, they ended up 44-38 and 38 for both of them. Same record. So that game probably was very important in that tiebreaker. I think it probably gave Brooklyn the overall tiebreaker. Most of the time, those teams, that they're not in the same division, don't play more than three times. Uh, but, you know, I, I think if you look at it, Kyrie Irving probably summed it up best in a press conference where he says, regardless of who wins, the NBA got what it wanted because, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, uh, but he said there's someone smiling in the in the room somewhere because they got LeBron against Steph and they got LeBron into the playoffs last year. Uh, then they got, now they have Brooklyn playing Cleveland. So Kyrie playing Cleveland, his former team with also Kevin Durant there. So they've had stars in it every single year. And he, I think he mentioned one other game that I'm forgetting. I don't know why, uh, but Look, they've had star they've had good teams in it every year and uh look, they've had good players in it every year. We got to see Russ and Bradley Beal last year. Now we see KD and Kyrie. Obviously, we also saw LeBron and Steph and you know, everybody who was on the Lakers and the Warriors that wasn't injured last year. Jaw was even in the play and Jaw really started his kind of not in, not necessarily, I wouldn't say improvement, but his his ascent from near All-Star to clear All-Star and MVP candidate with that win he had over the Warriors on the road in the play-in bracket to get his team in the play-in. But let's move on from Memphis because they're not playing this year. Let's talk about the star this time, is Kyrie Irving, as I was saying. Look, the reason why I went on that whole monologue is because there's not really much to talk about in this game. Evan Mobley is not 100%. I don't know if he's actually even playing in this game. I I would think he would. But Cleveland has not been the same without Evan Mobley. He's been such a good good defender for them. He's been a defensive beast the whole year. Uh, He's probably one of the leading rookie of the year candidates. He's at least first or second in my book. Uh, And and just overall, I don't think you can underestimate the impact of having Evan Mobley on the floor. And even if he's not at 100%, it's still important for them. But all he can do is keep them in the game against Brooklyn. I I don't think, unless he's 100% and Jared Allen's 100%, which is literally impossible at this point because the game is tomorrow, I believe, uh, there's just no way that... Cleveland's going to be able to beat Brooklyn. I mean, Darius Garland is great. Rajon Rondo is great. And by the way, the season doesn't end here. They'd still have another game no matter what happens. If they win, they're going to be playing as the seventh seed. If they lose, they're going to be playing the the winner of the other game between Atlanta and Charlotte, uh, and they're going to play the winner to get the eighth seed. So regardless, the season isn't over, but I don't think they're going to be winning this game. Uh, I think it's actually interesting that Brooklyn ended up with the seventh seed because If you think back a month ago when there was the vaccine mandate still in New York, they might have actually sat their key players for the game against Cleveland on Friday to try to get that game on the road, but still get the eight seed because that would cause Kyrie to not be able to play. So you never know what could have actually happened. The only places Kyrie couldn't play as of a month ago were Brooklyn and Toronto, and they can't play Toronto because Toronto's the five seed, so... You know, that that actually shook up the dynamic quite a lot. And all all of a sudden, the Nets really made a storm for it. And uh, even though they only edged out Cleveland by a tiebreaker and Atlanta and Charlotte by literally one game in the standings, I I think that lead is a little more commanding than it seems by first glance of the standings when you look at the players on their team and the fact that if you take out uh, Brooklyn's record without Kevin Durant, this team is 39-19, and I think, if I'm doing my math correctly. Uh, actually, I don't know if I did that 39 and 21. Sorry, actually flipped it a little bit. Uh, but look, I've said it enough. This team is the quality of a team that should easily win a first round matchup. If they were seated, I would say correctly to their talent. Unfortunately for someone who's going to be the two seed, that being Boston, we look, you've never, tell me how many times you've seen a two seed avoid winning the game to, to clinch the two seed because they'd rather have the three seed and forfeit one extra game on the road so they don't have to play a certain team in the first round. It just doesn't happen very often, and that's how good Brooklyn is. The Bucs beat them last year, and they still don't want to play them again. And I don't really blame them, because this team has the has the chance to come out of the East, and they're probably the only team seated below the Bucs that have a chance to come out of the East. So I'm going to say Brooklyn obviously wins this game. Uh, I've said it enough. I've talked about a little bit of their playoff prospects. Which we'll probably touch on a little bit later, but Brooklyn wins this game. Cleveland will be in contention for the eighth seed against the winner of Atlanta and Charlotte. And I will say this game features two of the game's young, interesting point guards. Obviously, Darius Garland's in that group too, but Trey Young and Lamella Ball as uh, a, a, they're they're more the highlight playmaking point guards. Even though Darius Garland might even be better than both of them, or at least one of them. You, 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 well, actually, he's definitely not better than Trey Young, but. You can put the point guard discussions away. Let's just talk about this game. I really do believe that Atlanta has come on strong at the end of the year to actually clinch this this nine seed. Charlotte's been playing well recently too, though, so it's really hard to pick where I'm going to go in this game. But I'm going to say I'm going to go with Atlanta. I liked how they played at home last year in all of the postseason. I mean, they were good on the road too, playing in MSG. I mean, obviously not much of a crowd there. Atlanta obviously having a bigger crowd due to less strict covid restrictions back back when those were still a major major factor in in attendance at sport at sports events uh but look i think atlanta's going to win this game i think the home court advantage plays into their favor very very well i think they beat charlotte i think charlotte makes it a close game i don't think they get uh i don't think they they get embarrassed like a few of the teams did last year as the 10 seed i do think they make this game close but overall, I'm going to say Atlanta is going to advance to that game with Cleveland. And then honestly, you got to tell me what percent of health Evan Mobley and Jared Allen are at for me to pick that Cleveland-Atlanta game. It really becomes a toss-up when you throw in the fact that you don't know how healthy they are. I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say that Atlanta pulls the upset. Maybe it's not that much of a limb. Maybe they might actually be favored in that game when we get to that, when we get to that day. But uh, I'm going to say that the lower-seeded team, I'm going to say that Atlanta goes on the road— And I'm going to say that they beat Cleveland, although I am not very confident in that, I will say. Uh, That's really a toss-up for me. And, uh, you know, I I think, honestly, as I said, I think Evan Mobley's health changes the trajectory of that game. Uh, And I think if he's fully healthy and Jared Allen is playing, I would definitely pick Cleveland. But without knowing the status and without really knowing how how healthy they are, even if they are both playing, I'm going with Atlanta to win that game. And I think Atlanta will end up with the 8th seed. And Brooklyn, obviously, as I mentioned with the seven seed although uh, you know Atlanta ne- not has not necessarily lived up to the expectations that we thought they were gonna have going into the year uh, but I-, I still believe in them to turn it up come playoff time just like they did last year because frankly last year they weren't supposed to beat the Knicks they weren't supposed to do anything after that and they both they not only took down the Knicks but also beat the 76ers I mean they basically ran Ben Simmons out <laughs> off of the 76ers and onto the Nets if you really think about it he never played a game after that game seven. Uh, so, you know, I, I think Atlanta has that experience, and I think that that experience definitely wins out against Charlotte. And I think Cleveland will be back next year. I think for sure they're going to be better uh, when they're not as injured, and maybe even make some more additions. Uh, but I think for sure right now, I'm going with Atlanta by with very, very, very little confidence. But off my own feeling, off it, I'm just going to say Atlanta off intuition alone.
0: Okay, let's move over to the Western Conference where. Uh, the seeds are as follows. Minnesota Timberwolves, the 7th seed in the West, will play the Clippers, who are the number 8 seed. And then the 9-10 matchup is the New Orleans Pelicans coming in at the 9, and the San Antonio Spurs at the 10. Patrick, what do you think happens in that Minnesota-Los Angeles matchup?
1: Well, I think it's an interesting one because I think both of these teams are going to make it regardless, honestly. A little bit of a spoiler. Uh, I think when you look at it, Minnesota is 46-36, and 36. New Orleans is 36-46. and 46. So they have the opposite record of each other. Minnesota is a lot better than New Orleans. But Paul George with but sorry, the Clippers with Paul George they're just a whole different animal. I mean, that team is so much improved when Paul George is on the floor. They've won 5 games into a row in a row heading into the playoffs. I like the Clippers over Minnesota. I think they're so hot right now. Paul George coming back has really just made that team what it is again. And all of a sudden, they went from this team that everybody was going to say, okay, they're going to walk into the play in bracket, a few games under 500, one game maybe at 500. They'll walk in, probably win one game in the play in, and then get bounced out really easily without their stars playing. And all of a sudden, Paul George comes out of nowhere. You heard some buzz that he might be coming back. Eventually, he just appears, and all of a sudden, this team is just on a different level. I don't think they are unbeatable. I don't think that Minnesota can't beat them. But I'm going to say that off of their experience, again, I like experience in the playoffs a lot. Who wouldn't? Uh, It wins out time and time again. I think I like the Clippers with Paul George's playoff experience over Minnesota. Although it is interesting to think about the fact that Patrick Beverly is on the Minnesota Timberwolves. So he might be looking to exact some revenge on the Clippers for I don't know what, but he'll come up with the reason anyway. Uh, so, and he'll probably call someone trash in the process. Uh, but look, that game will be really, really fun to watch. That's definitely the game I'm looking forward to the most out of any of these games, even possible matchups, even if Brooklyn were to play Atlanta somehow for that, for that second, uh, for that second spot in the East, that still would not be as interesting of a game to me as Minnesota and LA. That's just my personal opinion. I think this game is going to be a really good one. Uh, and I think that look, Minnesota, they have something to prove. Uh, they have a chip on their shoulder as a team collectively. A lot of guys who don't have much playoff experience, but I also think that because of that, the Clippers know how to deal with teams like that. They've they've been the team who's up three one and come back. They've been the team who's down by a good margin and come back. They know how to play out pretty much every scenario. They've been in these positions before. They're well coached. I think Tyloo is one of the best coaches in the league. Uh, so overall i got to go with the Clippers in that game, but I I, I do have to say it probably will be close, and I don't think it's going to stop Minnesota from winning their next game either.
0: Well, who are they going to play in that next game? Not that you say it matters.
1: I don't think it matters, as I said, but I do think that New Orleans is going to beat San Antonio. Uh, Look, San Antonio has been on the fringe all year. It looked like they really had no chance of making the play in at certain points. When you think about it, Sacramento was ahead of them in the standings for a lot of the year. Uh, obviously, that team called the Los Angeles Lakers with that guy named LeBron James were ahead of them in the standings for most of the for a very large portion of the year. And all and all of a sudden, Dame goes down and Portland gets cleared out of the way. The Lakers have all their issues. A D gets injured. LeBron gets injured a little bit. LeBron starts resting, you know, all that stuff happens. The Kings start tanking out of nowhere, and all of a sudden, The Spurs are kind of that team that's just left there with, look, they have the best coach of all time on their team, and they got to figure out, well, he's not going to let us lose. That's not in Popovich's mentality. He's not going to tank. So he's going to try to get them to win some games, and then all of a sudden, you look up, and two weeks left in the season, someone's got to take the Lakers spot in the play-in bracket because you know that team's not going to make it. They end up losing, what, six or seven games out of the last eight or nine and then all of a sudden it's San Antonio. So San Antonio made a good run to get to this position, but I don't think they can do much with it. I think New Orleans at home, they're just, they also, I think they're going to be very, very hungry to win this game. And I think that they also have playoff experience with CJ McCollum. I, I can't name a player on the Spurs who has valuable playoff experience other than Zach Collins, and he's not necessarily the most important player. The Spurs have also had sickness injury issues at the end of the year. They've had a lot of things going on at the end of the year. Uh, especially with DeJounte Murray. Look, he's a great player. Uh, and, you know, maybe this is maybe this is how he kind of starts his ascent like jaw. Maybe he goes from all-star replacement this year or or low, low-level all-star to maybe an MVP candidate next year. Who knows? But I, I don't think it will be that moment. But if it is, just say that I did mention it at least once and, and keep that down, <laughs> write that down. But I think that New Orleans overall as a team is better. I think CJ McCollum will be able to take over this game just because He's used to doing that in the playoffs. Obviously, Dame was obviously by his side before, but he he knows what it's like to play well in the playoffs. He knows how to get his guys going. Uh, I think he'll be able to take the young guys and bring them into form and beat the Spurs. Uh, But then in that final game between Portland... Why did I call them Portland? I was thinking of CJ McCollum, I guess. Can't see him in any other uniform. Uh, Between the Pelicans and Minnesota... I think Minnesota is going to win, especially because of the fact that they're going to have home field. I don't think you lose... I home court. Uh, I don't think you're going to lose twice on your home court in in the play-in bracket, I, especially because they are just so much more talented than really any of the other three teams. And maybe... I, I'd say the Clippers are pretty much on their level, maybe a little bit lower, but they have more experience and more of an X factor and better coaching. But look... I think Minnesota probably is the most talented team in the playing bracket. I think I can say that. It's close between them and the Clippers, but I don't think New Orleans has the type of talent that Minnesota does. They're a little bit farther along the way. I mean, look, their guy, Brandon Ingram is just as young as Anthony Edwards, is just as young as, well, maybe not as young as Anthony Edwards, but just as young as, you know, D'Angelo Russell and Cat. Like, they're, they're, their guys are about the same age, but I feel like other than C.J. McCollum, Minnesota is just way farther along the way in terms of getting the young guy's experience. uh, Obviously, even though Cat has been in the league for a decent amount of time, he does not have the playoff experience CJ McCollum does, so it'll be interesting to see how he turns out in this playoffs. Uh, But I I still think overall I'm going to go ahead and and, and pick Minnesota to beat New Orleans. I I think they're going to be able to pull it together on their home court. The Clippers are going to play them close, and then Minnesota's going to come out angry, and they're going to be able to beat New Orleans.
0: All right, well, let's move to some uh, general questions about the NBA, Uh, starting with our favorite team, uh, the LA Lakers. Um, Other than the Lakers, who we've talked about many times, missed the playoffs, what team was the biggest disappointment of the season?
1: To me, I think there are two candidates. We can either talk about the fact that Portland uh, went into full tank mode in the West, or we could talk about a team who didn't tank but also missed the playoffs. That second team who probably made the the most disappointing teams list On the podcast, a record-setting amount of times this year, Uh, that was the New York Knicks. To highlight some of the differences between these two teams, look, Portland dealt with a few injuries early, Dame got injured, and they hadn't really gotten it together yet, and kind of once that happened, they just realized it might not be time for them to try to contend again and just, you know, scrape by, get the 10 seed off of Dame alone, get him injured. They didn't want to ruin his his season or his long-term health. Uh, so then you go to New York, who came off a good season just like Portland, and they just played awful. I mean, it just makes New York's downfall just so much worse than Portland. Portland's. New York didn't deal a franchise player at the deadline. They didn't deal CJ McCollum like Portland did. They didn't deal the New York equivalent of CJ McCollum. Uh, at the end of the season, New York started putting in some younger lineups, you could say, you could argue that, but they did not improve at the trade deadline and still attempted to make a run at the play-in. So feel like it was just kind of a mismanaged season it was just kind of odd I think it was pretty obvious at the beginning of the year that the Knicks probably weren't gonna make it too far when they started off the year with defensive struggles with Tom Thibodeau as their coach I think that was the first sign that things were going wrong and then the second sign that things were going wrong when maybe the alarm bells started to sound were you know benching Kemba Walker because it's definitely his fault that your team isn't playing defense because one guy can affect defense so much. And then, you know, he comes back and he plays one game and he plays very, very well in that game. I think he had like 35 points or something in the one game he got minutes in after some injuries happened. And then all of a sudden they want to play him again and they don't know if they should because, well, it doesn't matter if he scored a bunch of points because they lost the game and he and he played and, you know, oh my God, it must be his fault on defense just like in Charlotte kind of where he scored a lot of points a lot of times but not necessarily had much team success there. So it's really hard to say what where the real breaking point was for the Knicks, but what I can say is this. Last year, they weren't able to they kept, they were way ahead of Charlotte. Charlotte for the second year in a row ended up with the 10 seed in the East. Last year, the Knicks were 41-31, trailing only the Bucs, Nets, and 76ers in the standings. Keep that in mind. The Bucks, the Nets, and the 76ers. They took the four seed, but as we know, Trey Young, Kevin Herder, and the rest of the Hawks put it into their playoff run very, very early. I said their record was 41 and 31 uh, for a reason because even with 10 more opportunities to win games, the Knicks went 37 and 45. They had four less wins than last year in 10 less games, it, it it really is just a big downfall. And uh, look, the Kemba signing wasn't as big as the Russ signing for the Lakers, but the Knicks were still a team that made the playoffs last year and you could argue made an improvement, although the losses of a guy like Re- Reggie Bullock and some other guys that they lost might've been a lot more important than we thought they were. Uh, but they d- they still didn't make the playoffs this year even after supposedly making their roster better. Doesn't really make much sense to me. And uh, I think overall, if they had actually truly made their, and they also added Evan Fournier in the offseason. so you add Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker to a four seeded team, you're not you're not supposed to be the 11 seed the year after. That is not the goal. That is not what's supposed to happen. That's not what should have happened. But look, there were so many things you could point you could point to with the Knicks this season. You could make a montage of of, of press conferences probably that 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 are detailing some of the issues that they had. You could probably make seven or eight main issues lists, starting off with the beginning of the season, terrible defense, then benching Kemba, then Kemba coming back and playing well, Julius Randle's blowups in in, in in you know uh, the huddle a, a few times with the whole computer situation against the Lakers. Uh, there were just so many things that have gone wrong for the Knicks this year. And uh, overall, I can just say they just had a disaster of a season. That's pretty much all I can say about it.
0: Okay, what team out of the East and the West has the best chance to bounce back from missing the playoffs this year and make it to the playoffs or even make a playoff run next year?
1: Well, I think if you want to go off the board and not say the Knicks, like I just said, who really underachieved with their talent, I'm going to say the Indiana Pacers are a little bit of an underdog team that has a chance to make a run next year. Their talent is young, and I think that after the acquisition of Tyrese Halliburton at the trade deadline, the Pacers just needed more time to become a decent team again, and let's just be honest— They weren't trying to be any good this year. They lost 11 in the row at the end of the year. You could probably argue they lost all those games on purpose. Uh, And I think that they will regroup next year. They're going to make maybe a solid addition in free agency. Who knows if they really feel like they can contend with Tyrese Halliburton and even Buddy Heald as as a starter. And probably they're going to get healthier with, uh, obviously, Miles Turner missing some of the season. Uh, And you also had... TJ Warren, who missed almost all of the season, if not all of the season, he probably did miss all of the season. Maybe he played three or four games, and he was kind of supposed to be their star, their star alongside Sabonis, who they were building around. Then they also traded Sabonis, uh, and then also you have Malcolm Brogdon there. So I, I feel like there's a there's a core there with TJ Warren, Malcolm Brogdon, and Tyrese Halliburton, that, and and Miles Turner too, that can be built on pretty easily to make a good team. Uh, there's a reason why they have been good the last few years. I, I think. There's no reason to believe that Indiana can't be good again, and I think they will be good, and also when you consider that they're going to add another high lottery pick to that existing group because they currently have the fifth best lottery odds to win the number one overall draft pick, and obviously, overall, I think, I don't know the exact math, but there are some thresholds that they can't fall below. They are definitely picking at least, I think, in the top ten. Someone can verify that. I don't really know how that stuff works, but they're 100% picking in the lottery, as we know, unless they trade that pick. I don't think they're going to do that, but I think they can make the play in at least next year and build up from there with their new players. But moving on to the West, I have to go with the Lakers. Look, they have LeBron. He he brings enough that Portland, Oklahoma City, Sacramento, and Houston just can't compete with them. Uh, I know it's hard to not go off the board, And, and I think that the Spurs will probably be the odd one out in terms of the playoff race next year. I feel like this year, instead of You know, making a run necessarily at the playoff spot. The Spurs just kind of jogged throughout the entire season and just watched the Lakers like fall on the second lap of the track and just crumple up and injure themselves and not be able to run anymore, uh, along with Portland and some other teams. And I think that they just realized they just kind of played the slow and steady game and they played just good enough, although 34 and 48 isn't very good whatsoever, Uh, but good enough to be higher up than the Lakers. Uh, and then somehow at the end of the season, you know, some tiebreakers go their way, whatever, and all of a sudden, they're, they end up in the play-in. Uh, if I weren't go, to go with the obvious pick of the Lakers, go, uh, though, I'd go with Portland. I think with Dame back in, as long as they actually play a real roster before the end of next year, I think he can lead them back to the playoffs. Obviously, the end of the, the year roster this year was so terrible. they was just an awful tanking roster, not even using the guys that they traded CJ McCollum for, but that's a whole different conversation. I think they'll... Adds, use some of those draft picks they got in trades and everything, every young piece that they have to actually be a little bit better next year.
0: Okay, what team or team surprised you the most as an overachiever? Let's start in the East.
1: Well, I think in the East, there are two teams that you have to go with. You're either going with Toronto or Boston. Boston has always had the potential. They've always had the talent, but they haven't really put it together to make as good of a team as we thought they could until this year where they just descended to the two seed with... Robert Williams anchoring the defense. Marcus Smart kind of leading the team in a Draymond Green-esque role, but as a point guard rather than as a power forward. uh, Or maybe you could say a point forward in Draymond's uh, Draymond's situation. And then you can also, look, you have Jalen Brown, you have Jason Tatum. You're supposed to be a good team. Those two alone should make you a good team as long as you have pieces around them. You add Al Horford in as a veteran, and then all of a sudden this team kind of comes out of nowhere and ends up with a two-seed. I'm not saying people were thinking they wouldn't make the playoffs – But I don't think that you say, I don't think there's anyone before the season who said, I'm taking Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum in that roster to be better than the Nets with KD, Kyrie, and Harden, or the defending champion Bucks. It's just, you can't tell me that anybody was thinking that. Could anybody have said that they might have been a three-seed candidate and that they were in that race along with the Bulls? And also the 76ers, if they were able to make some trades and actually have Ben Simmons on the floor before the season at least. Yes, but I think in the end, and, and the Heat too in that conversation too, uh, but I think in the end, they, they they honestly really surprised me. And the other team that surprised me, Toronto. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Uh, look, that team last year was not playoff caliber at all. They didn't make the playoffs for a reason. They all, they they got really, really lucky in the lottery that they ended up picking fourth and got Scotty Barnes because Scotty Barnes is one of those players who you knew was going to make an immediate impact just because he does so many different things. And he has all the length and he had a pretty good NBA body already. So he had the, he had all the uh, the perfect player type to move on to the next level and have a good impact already on a winning team. And they just rebuilt around Fred Van Vliet and they got Scotty Barnes and they just decided that they were going to go forward with it. And obviously Pascal Siakam, before, I, before I, I become a victim of one of those people who never talks about him on that team, he should be on the All-NBA roster somewhere. Not All-NBA first team, probably not second team, but he should at least be on the third team. He's definitely one of the top 15 players in the league right now, and he is the real reason alongside Fred VanVleet and Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes kind of being the do-it-all guy, and Fred VanVleet being the maybe the guy who steals the spotlight a little more in terms of the scoring than Pascal, but look, Pascal Siakam deserves to be on the All-NBA third team at the very least, And with those three guys, they have really spurred a very odd, but very interesting and very cool run for the Raptors that obviously had their championship run with Kawhi and then, you know, dealt away. Kyle Lowry got rid of some of those players. And now all of a sudden here they are not necessarily back in championship contention, but you never know what could happen. Uh, And overall they're playing really, really well. And they also have the vaccine mandate as their fifth, as their sixth defender. So that will help them in the playoffs too
0: eliminating some players from the other team who cannot cross the border. Uh, All right, let's move over to the West. What team was the most uh, surprising overachiever?
1: You know, it's interesting because I said before the season that I really thought Minnesota should make the playoffs. Just on paper, their roster had enough talent to. But I looked at the teams ahead of them, and I saw... Look, I saw the Clippers, and I saw the Lakers, and I was like, one of these teams is going to have to lose out to Minnesota for them to be able to make the playoffs. Have they made it yet? No. But the reality is, you look at that top six in the West, and even thinking that Portland was going to be in that equation above Minnesota, if you have Portland and the Lakers and Clippers, and you add them all into that, all of a sudden, that's the whole play-in bracket, and Minnesota would be the projected 10th seed in that. I I, I think it's crazy that even though I thought they could make the playoffs, the reality is, look, you have Phoenix— You have Memphis. You knew Memphis was going to be in it this year because, well, you maybe didn't know they were going to be the two seed and that they over, I don't think they overachieved. I think they just got way better because they're younger, Uh, but they were the eight seed yet last year, put up a good fight against Utah and you knew that they would be able to be in the playoffs next year. You knew that they were going to be better this year. You knew that they were going to be better. Uh, And I think overall you had the Warriors, you had them getting clay back. You had Utah again, you had Memphis who, who I already mentioned, you had the Lakers, you have the Suns you have Dallas, you have Denver, you have the Clippers. And then you're saying, where does Minnesota fit into that? And you can even throw Portland in there. Where do they fit into that? And I think I probably missed one playoff team, but still, you don't know where they go into that. And somehow they were able to emerge. They played better as the year went on and they played better overall than the Lakers. And then the Clippers were able to play and obviously way better than Portland was able to play. Uh, And overall they secure a very good record. And by the way. That record makes the playoffs in any year. 46 and 36 will make the playoffs in either league, no matter what. Uh, And obviously with the play-in bracket, it might put you as a seventh seed in the play-in. But look, any year, play-in bracket or not, that would make you a a, a surefire playoff team. And they really ascended to get to that level this year. They were not on that level last year. But I'm happy that the talent finally came through and they became that playoff team that they're supposed to be.
0: All right, and finally, what team, uh, and this will be finally a two-part question, East and West again, what team from the play-in bracket in each conference will avoid the play-in next year?
1: Uh, the, the Nets are the obvious answer here. I think you can't go wrong saying that because, well, they were the two-seed last year, so you can really just go off of that. But I will say, if I'm going to go for a surprise team, I think Cleveland will be the surprise team, uh, maybe not as as much of a surprise because they were really in that position for almost, I want to say like three quarters of the season, just before the end, where, you know, the injury started to derail them a little bit. But I think getting Colin Sexton back next year, I talked about this when we were talking about the trade deadline, how well this team was built to be good, not this year, but also next year, uh, as their guys get older too and more experienced. So I think Cleveland definitely, alongside the Nets, will probably avoid the plan next year. Uh, someone's got to be the odd man out. It's probably going to be the Raptors. And then, you know, you're going to have to throw one of those teams that are really star-studded. Maybe even the Bulls fall out and fall into the play, and or maybe they're the team that gate- keeps Cleveland from getting in. Kind of like Minnesota had a great year this year, but there are still teams like Dallas and Denver and Utah to stop them from getting in. Uh, but in the West, it should be the Clippers. If Kawhi comes back, he definitely should come back. And if he and or Paul George are, are injured for most or all of the season again, I think the Pelicans are actually my underdog pick to make it out. I, I think their franchise player hasn't played a game this season <laughs> and yet somehow they're in the play-in. The West was weak in terms of its depth this year, but with C.J. McCollum, Brandon Ingram, and Zion Williamson coming back, I think next year could finally be the breakthrough year for the Pelicans to maybe get a top-six seed, although I would also say, honestly, we're saying what team from the play-in bracket, so keep that in mind. I would probably say the Lakers are actually more likely to make it it and avoid the play-in than New Orleans is. I think New Orleans might make it next year and maybe less likely to avoid the play-in because we know the Lakers can actually get to the level of a top-seed uh, but i still do think that portland i I'm sorry i still do think that new orleans has a pretty good chance of doing that
0: okay that wraps this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast please be sure to check out our next podcast which will be on friday april 15th where we will talk about the first week and a half of major league baseball and preview the nba playoffs when the final brackets will be set after those playing games we just spoke about in the meantime please be sure to check out patrick's additional content including his picks for next weekend's games, his MLB Power Rankings that will be updated tomorrow, and his NBA Power Rankings that will be published Wednesday. All of that on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.